You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Why is this an issue? It's an issue because the Mishnah really didn't tell us an amount. The Mishnah could have said, Kezayis, it told us that it had to be either one cooked item or two cooked items, but it didn't say an amount. So sometimes the default position, since what's considered eating, according to the Torah standard, is Kezayit, and that is something, a, a source uh, to look into at a different time, that the amount that's considered Ochel is a Kezayit, in other words, the definition of that word in terms of, for example, getting punished, uh, according to the accepted tradition, if you're someone who eats chelev, who eats uh, fats that aren't allowed to be imbibed, the amount that brings him to the punishment, we have a tradition as a kezayit. And therefore, we learn out everywhere the word achila means kezayit. So that could be the default position, although the rabbis didn't say it in the Mishnah. So that's why we are sort of questioning Rav. Now, again, one could ask, well, come on, it's not such a big amount. Well, you know, if, if, if Dali gets on the table and, and, and you, and you start get taking out the measuring stick, yeah, I don't know if there's a Kazayas left here. How much is a Kazayas? Again, uh, Natan Slifkin, uh, has written, uh, uh, a P, an article that, that's available in, in a PDF form on his, uh, site, Rationalist Judaism. And you can see there, uh, he has a whole discussion about, uh, very nicely presented about, what the size of the olive is, and what the olives are. Very interesting. Uh, writes it very nicely. But we, if you, if you see there, you'll see that he's, uh, describing the fact that there are other opinions about the size of an olive today. Um, it's very well known in rabbinic literature, but I'm just saying it's a good place for you to look to get a perspective. There are people that say that it's more, it's more than two ounces. It's four ounces. It's bigger. <laughs> we know that we have these issues. <clears throat> when it comes to eating matzah, how much is a kezayis? I think in general, again, the, the rule would be this is a rabbinic law, and therefore you can definitely err uh, on the other side and say, you know, it's, that's that's good enough. That's a kezayis. That's good enough. But I think really it's not so much about the practical. It's about, hey, it doesn't. can we really prove it? The Gemara wants to be exact. The Gemara really it, it isn't so much that this was so relevant and this was so crucial to find out because we've saved everybody's meals or we've said you can't have your meal i think it's more about can we really back this up by the evidence and that's why we start today by uh the ninth line and it starts well and it starts with the words uh toshma tafshin so you if you underline that phrase if you underline that part you understand that that is the source. That means let's have another source. Okay. Remember, the two dots here is a mistake. We're still trying to investigate this point. Okay, so here's a brysa, Toshma. Now, again, if you want to know where to find this brysa in its original source, um, once again, Rabbi Shaya, Pick, and company, give you that little Aleph here connects up here. It's actually a Tosefta, which again is a, a collection of uh, the, the statements that probably come from an earlier time that collect 
that things sort of like that didn't get into the Mishnah, but have still been organized in this separate book. We'll talk about it at a different time, exactly what the Tosefta is. It's a big debate among, um, among, among the scholars. But it is, a, it is constantly being introduced. I guess what I should say, as far as this goes, is that in general, Gemara always introduces material from previous generations that isn't to the Mishnah, Bryces. Some of those Bryces we can find, and some of those Bryces we can't. When we're able to find them, the editors and the people who put together the Talmud tell you where you can find it. But there are some Bryces whose existence has only been preserved in the Talmud's discussion. This happens to be one that we have uh, other corroborative uh, proof for its existence. So let's read the Brisa. That's a Tosefta. Tavshil Zeh, that we've been talking about. Yeah. Tavshil Zeh, Tzli. It doesn't have to be boiled, even though this, the word Bashel, the Shorish seems to be the idea of boiling, of cooking, putting stuff in water, and then having the heat act upon the item through the medium of water. That's the, that's the, that is the scientific definition of bishel. Doesn't have to be that. Could be tzli, which means it's actually without water. It's just the fire passing through the metal that, or whatever it is that the thing is cooking in. That's called a tzri. That is, uh, that's like a roast. That's also called a tapshil, even though we say the word in the Mishnah says tapshil, the Brisa expands on that. Viafilu kavush. Okay. What is kavush? So kavush, we talked about salting, being salted before. This is way more than salted. This is when you take an item, and in modern Hebrew, for example, they talk about, you know, um, they talk, the, the word for pickles, I believe, is kavushim. And you can see Rashi basically says that up here by kovush bechomates. Okay, that's taking vinegar, chardal. You know what that is? Mustard, right? And mina yirakot and other sorts of vegetables. And what you do is you put this item, and, and again, this is connected to the word to be kovesh, right? Lichvosh uh, is to conquer. And in this sense, the food is being conquered by the elements around it. That's why it's called kovush. It's sort of inside of a mason jar or whatever it is. And then you have these other elements that are sort of like, 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 like on top of it, like a, like, 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 a, um, like a wrestling champion on top of his, uh, on top of the guy that lost. Kovush, you have been defeated. You are, uh, you have been pinned. You are underneath. Which means that this has been affected. So what actually what we're saying is, is that it's considered cooked. You might not have added any heat at all. You might not have used any sort of heat, but it's changed. The, the proximity of the item with everything around it has changed it. And that's considered a, a, a that qualifies. You don't have any, uh, you have no heat, but you have this pickling process. That's what it's sometimes called, pickling. So that would be enough to be called a top show. Okay, so that's called top show because there has been a chemical change, even though it wasn't through fire. Then we have the next word, 
Shaluk. Shaluk. Rashi's right here to help us out. I told you Rashi and Beta, especially here, is, is an incredible helper. Let's take a look at Rashi. Shaluk. What does Shaluk mean? So if you read the Rashi, Mevushal Harbe Ma'od. So here is where you sort of think, well, why not? It's very cooked, very much cooked. Well, sometimes more is less. Sometimes you could say, boy, you overcooked that. That baby should have come out a lot earlier. We know that uh, uh, European Jews of a previous generation specifically liked what they called gedumpte chicken. Gedumpte chicken, Litvaks would talk that way, which means you just put the chicken in there and you just turn it on and let it let it just boil and boil and boil and boil. And then they just could take it out of the, the soup, and that was great for them. But shaluk is, is, is it's almost an extreme form. You might have thought, hey, you went too far on that. No, that's also good. And, of course, the next one doesn't even seem to be uh, necessary. Umevushal, which, as Rashi says, kehilchato, which means normal. Doesn't mean like halacha. Rashi doesn't mean that you, you that you followed the halacha guide of Bishul. It just means, yeah, like once you said shaluk, mavushul goes along with it. It's like mutton Jeff, shaluk and mavushul, of course. So that sort of covers all the bases. But there's still one that the Bryce wants to throw in. And as Rashi points out, it's actually a, a, a style of cooking that uh, uh, the type of item whose style of cooking is mentioned another a number of places in the Talmud. Let's see what it is. And again, if you, I know uh, some of you are using Gemaras that have translations. Okay, I, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, translate based on what I know. Vikulios ha'aspanin. Okay, so kulios is a, is a type of fish. Um, I'm not sure if we know exactly what it is. Um, Debbie, you can, uh, if you want, you can tell us what, 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 how it's uh, described there. Aspanin sounds a little bit like it's Spanish, right? But again, did they really, I don't know if they really had a connection to Spain. Rashi, and again, I want to go a little bit further. We'll talk about what this is in a minute. But this type of fish, shenatan alav or shenosan alav, chamin. Basically, cooking almost didn't happen. What did happen was water was boiled and then poured onto the fish. I'm not even sure how hot the water was. It was it was warm. It was definitely hot. But what happened was is that that fish is now cooked. It's enough. Shinasana of Khamin Yontif. Yeah, okay. Let's see what it what how do they translate it? Uh, Spanish macro. Okay. Again, I, I really, again, I haven't done, I did some research on this years ago, but it's not clear to me that they were able to, uh, at the time of the Talmud, they even, you know, had a, a, any conception of Spain or anything like that. It's a nice, look, it's always good to put a name and an image to something. It shouldn't just be some vague, some vagary. 
But I'm going to tell you the truth is there's a lot of terms in the Talmud and a lot of things that are mentioned that we just have a debate over. And the debate stems from the fact that the translators, not the translators, in, in like Steinsaltz and Art Scroll or, 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 or Sansino, but the Rishonim, people like Rashi himself, telling us in old French what it means. Hananel, who we've talked about, that had this alternative interpretation, but, and, 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 and which was used by uh, the great um, the Nassim Bava Aruch, the Roman uh, lexicographer, I guess you would call him, who wrote this uh, dictionary of the Shas called the Aruch. So what we have in many times is terms that there's a lot of speculation and guesswork. And it, in, in some ways, it's better to attach some sort of image to what it is than to just let it be this vague thing. Um, but my guts tell me that it's not uh, a macro, but I don't know. Anyway, so this this type of fish Yeah, well, basically, let's take a look and see about what this fish is. And it is mentioned, as I said, in the Talmud. Let's take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, dog miliachu. So it's a fish that's miliach. And I mentioned yesterday, do you salt it when it comes out or is it naturally salty? My sense here is that it's a, it's, it's a fish that is naturally salty. Um, and Rashi says, virach. And it's very soft, very um, It is generally you could just stick your hand into the into the into the fish pond and grab one of these and eat them. Yeah, right? Maybe you want to whack it on the head first, but you don't really. Right? That might be a proper thing to do. So what they do is they would just pour hot water on it. It's a very important term to undermine in the Rashi. That qualifies as bishul in another area. It's 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 considered enough mevushal to count for erev tafshilin, but it also is enough mevushal that if you do this on Shabbat itself, you will be guilty of cooking on Shabbat. Get it to Shabbat. Shahadachato just by pouring water on it. That is gimar melachto. And this gets into a whole discussion about what is cooking on Shabbos. And why would kulia saspanis, what do you mean cook? I didn't, I didn't have any fire. It's not in a pot. Okay, I poured water on it. And, and this, this, this is why uh, there is a big issue about making tea, even if you pour it in another cup. Because look, this baby was not, this little fish was not as edible as it was before. And now it's be, it, it reaches a state of being a lot more edible. And it basically has the same sort of texture now that other fish have when you actually cook it in hot water. Just by pouring the water on it without it, right? And it doesn't have, and again, you could take the water off the flame. So this shows you a, a comparison between the laws of Bishol. We saw yesterday in terms, another comparison, in terms of Bishol Nochri, in terms of the laws of having something cooked for you from a non-Jew. 
Now we have another area of Bishel, which is That's exactly the point. That's why Kovush works, Debbie. It works the same way. Here, I think, is that what, 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 the, the reason why the Bright is mentioning this is because it is so easy. In other words, the other ones, at least, okay, it was quick, but you had to put it on the metal pot. You turned up the flame. You had to let it sit in the, in the, in the, in the, in the pickling uh, elements. Here, all you did was take the fish and put a little bit of hot water on it, that's good enough. It is now not a raw fish. It is now considered Erev Tavshilin. The same way on Shabbat, the same way on Shabbos, if you would have done this, we would have gotten you for cooking on Shabbos. There's some that say that, that, that the, uh, and again, that, that analyze from here, what is the idea of cook? cooking means you, uh, what, what does it really mean? If there's certain things that don't even need to be on the flame to be cooked, where do we actually draw the line? What's considered cooking and what's not considered cooking? Uh, some say that the idea of kulias aspanus is the idea that we, we, we there's another malocha of Shabbos which is called makabipatish, which is that you that you fi- you finish something, um, meaning that something that was not like like an item that you were crafting. So the same way when you craft an item, um, you put the finishing touch on it, it's considered a malocha of binyan or makabipatish. That's what happens when you do cooking. It's not technically bishal. It's technically, some say on Shabbos, it's the malocha of makabipatish, finishing something off, something that, like, you, it's like, even though what you're, you're not working on a, uh, on a, on a, on a, on a on a bench or on a chair, but you're working on a piece of food. And therefore, the piece of food is finished. So anytime you take something that there's a process and you've now put it in its best state by pouring the water on it, that would be usr, but not as the malocha of cooking, malocha of makabapatish. There's some people who, who point that out, the Mishnah Bura quotes that in Hilcha Shabbos. So anyway, but in, as far as this I would say from here you see that it qualifies as being cooked. Okay. All of that is really not why it's being quoted. <laughs> it's good for us to see this, but that's not the reason why the Toshma introduces it. It's introduced for the next words. Here we go. Tchilato v'sofo ein lo shir. That tchilato Meaning when you begin, right? Meaning when you uh, when you set it up, visofo, and when you finish, tchila beginning, self end. It's beginning and it's end. Ain lo shir. Now, the word ain lo shir is different than the, what we quoted yesterday. Yesterday, the key word was kol shahu. Shire mimenu kol shahu. Okay. And there we said it doesn't mean the tiniest amount. It means more than the usual big challah that they used to make. Okay. Now we have another uh, description. Aim low shear. That means it sounds like 
literally. What are you going to tell me that? If, it's, if you need a Kazayas, this says Ain Loshir. So now we have a question on Rav Abba and Rav. You might want to ask, if you want to be ticky-tack, why didn't the Gemara say Mesve? Why didn't the Gemara say, oh, is this, this is a knockout. This is a, an attack. This is a Brysa that, that clearly uh, this is, is a complete question on Rav. I don't know if I have a great answer on that. Um, uh, I, I think that maybe the Gemara knew that this was more an investigation than a challenge. But it's 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 written in the terms of an investigation. But now it is definitely a challenge, where it says, "My love, is it not so that those terms should be taken literally the way it's written?" Aim lo sheer klal, klal meaning at all. In other words, you is, there's something here like Bach was asking about a noodle before. Yeah, aim lo sheer klal. You don't have a sheer. A famous, we, we daven every morning and we say, hey, with farm shade, lem shir, right? And, 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 and it's, it, there is no minimum amount. Okay, so there's no minimum amount for the Erev Tavshilat. So the Gemara says, hello. It doesn't mean it doesn't have a minimum amount. Rav was right. We're not going to push Rav out. You need a Kezayas. So what does it mean, ain't lo shir? So the Gemara is going to give an interpretation of the Brisa, of the Tosefta. It might sound a little bit forced to you. But remember, the Gemara has different, has a different set of priorities. One of the priorities is that we don't knock the rabbi, like Rav, off the pedestal. And the reason is, is because his history and who he is means he probably knew what he was talking about. And therefore, we're going to Err on the side of caution and say this brisa means ain lo sheer lamala. Lamala meaning above. If you want, you can have a big grandiose Erev Tavshila. You could have a giant Erev Tavshila. Even though someone will say to you, Are you nuts? Just put a bagel, just, just put a, an egg and a piece of filter fish there. Right? What do you need to have? Right? What do you need to have more than that? No, I want to have a special. I make big Erev Tavshilas. And that's maybe what the Bryce is saying. You can go as far as you want. Ain lo shir lamala. Okay. Aval, but yeshel shir lamata. There is a shir in terms of, you have to start with the Gazayas. That's Now, the problem with this interpretation, first of all, the problem with this interpretation is, is that, objectively, is that why would you think you can't have this giant Erev Tavshila? Why not? It's a ceremony. There's a mitzvah involved. I want my Erev Tavshila to be, uh, you know, a, a huge, let's say a mackerel, a huge giant fish, a huge giant thing. That's what I want my Erev Tavshila to be. That's more what Erev Tavshila should really be anyway. Why would you need the Bryce to tell you that? That's one question. The other question is, is that if we go look, if we examine the Brisa objectively, it says, Triloso Visofo, Ain Loshir. Okay. Triloso means at the beginning, and Sofa means at the end. What does that mean, the beginning of the end? So it sounds like the Trila is when you set it up, 
And the self is what's happening during the day. We know what happens. People didn't have huge refrigerators in places to put stuff. We know that there were uh, situations where, okay, uh, what's happening? What, what, what's occurred? There's the beginning, the end, meaning as you're cooking and what's going on. And maybe what we're telling you is, is that a Loshir, that as long as something is left, right? So, so even right, you still need to keep something there. Again, you 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 might have thought, as you might have thought, hey, uh, you know, I started cooking, the thing was here, I can now cook twenty courses. Maybe what it's telling us is that there's an idea of self, that the Arif has to be around in a safe place. Now, it's going. It might not be completely safe because someone might have gotten the part of it and chewed some of it, or some kid might have decided to, you know, take a midnight snack or a dog, whatever it was. But we're telling you, we know the Arab is going to go through a process. It's not going to be the same beginning and the end. The way it was in its state Thursday afternoon is not the way it's going to be Friday morning or Friday afternoon. But still got to be there, and 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 that would indicate to me that. Don't worry about how much is there, as long as there's something there. Sofo ein loshir. According to the interpretation we've now said, seems to me that it has to have a kazayas the whole time. <clears throat> Even during the hustle and bustle of Friday morning and Friday afternoon. And therefore, uh, a question, <laughs> you know, if you turn around after you've cooked the meat and you realize that, uh-oh, the the, the Arab is gone, could you continue on to the next course? Could you make the jello, right? Whatever it is you want to add to it, right? Would you be able to make anything more for Shabbos? And, right, that, that, again, is something we can look into. But that would, to me, be, be a, a, a question anyway to, to try to figure out and, and probably does come up sometimes but again as i said this is a uh an answer that i think on objective on objective grounds is not satisfactory but we're going to accept it and say that's the, the amount you have to have a kazayas and rob is right despite what this brysa seems to say okay um let's do one more th- again and again we could <clears throat> i could show you how to uh uh, investigate the halacha here, but that's not really what we're here for. I mean, I, I want to show you the tools on the page are here to help you with the investigation. Remember, that would be the little gimel here or, or the aleph here that it doesn't need to kazayas. You'd go up, like I pointed a couple of days ago, up to up here to the, and you would find where your rambam is, and that would be the place to do the investigation. And I, I'm sure you'll probably discover. Uh, some debate as to the exact nature of what has to be there, and is there a difference between the beginning and end? I'm sure that you could find something interesting. I don't have anything to share with you now on that. Okay, let's go on to one last thing here today. Um, Amaravhuna Amarav. Once again, Rav. <coughs> here, it's one of Rav's greatest students, Ravuna. <clears throat> who took over the yeshiva eventually, the Rav created, the yeshiva surah. A Ruve Tapshilin, 
Srichen Das. That was a statement that he made. It needs Das. Das, of course, means understanding. It means a recognition of what's going on. In Hasidic literature, Das uh, is a very key concept. Uh, There is discussion of Chochmah, Bina, Das. And of course, Chochmah is considered the idea itself, the wisdom itself. The Bina is the way a human starts to comprehend it. And Das is when it really registers and it's living with you. So Das is really recognition. So the Erev Tavshila needs Das. It can't, it, 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 you need to, have, you need to there, there's a certain amount of concentration and understanding. So, what does that mean, though, that the Arab needs Das? So, the Gemara is going to now try to um, analyze that. So, we start again with the word Pshita, which we had yesterday. That doesn't mean simple, it means it's straight. It's straight, and no one would deny. That dat maniach ba'inon. Das of the maniach. The maniach is the one who actually gets this food ready and places it somewhere to act as an Arab. That's the maniach. The maniach needs to have das. We talked about a couple of days ago about scraping leftovers out of the bottom of the pot. You need to know why you're doing that, right? You need to know that you're not just, right? you need to think, what am I doing here, right? Um, so it isn't just like you ask, the the, 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 the partner will ask his, his partner, um, did you do Erev? Well, you know, I, I did leave over some stuff in the pot, but did you think about Erev? Did you think it was supposed to be an Erev, that, that leftovers? That's the crucial thing, that you were thinking. We know that we make a bracha, and, and we clearly get das when we make that bracha, and we read what it's about. So it's it's clear, straightforward, that the person who places it, who's maniach, and needed to know what he was doing. Das maniach binen. And I would say, a little further, that you can't just say, make an Arab. You need to know what the purpose of the Arab is. In other words, they give out little announcements. Make remember to make Arif Tafshilin. You have to know why you're doing it. It isn't just sort of like this mechanical act. Okay, I'm taking out I'm taking out the gefilte fish. I'm now placing it in a plate. Why are you doing it? That's part of Das. <laughs> and I know why you're doing that. Okay. So that's the Das Maniach. So let's see again. Pshita, Das Maniach Be'inan. Be'inan again, nun nun is us. Be'ina means we, us. We understand that that is needed. Ba'inan is understand to us that is definitely needed. The interesting thing, maybe, Rob, what about the other way? Dat mi shehinichu lo ba'inan. The person who you're doing it for. Does the person you're doing it for need to know that it's being done for them? You have a house full of cooks, a house full of people that are cooking. A boarding house, perhaps. Does the one who is the goody two-shoes, who's putting the Erev, have to inform 
the other person who are cooking. I'm making an error for you. Think about it. Just like you say by Kiddush. You say, Savri, everybody think we're making Kiddush for you. Here too, um, let, do you need to get everybody's agreement? Does the person need to know, right? Let's say the, in the boarding house, okay? So you have Miskuri Two Shoes is making the Arif, and everybody else who lives in the in the rooms, does she need to knock on the door, send the text message to everyone and say, I'm making an Arif for all of everyone, okay? So, all right, can I, is that okay? Um, can I be your agent for this? That's the question. Can the person be sleeping? <laughs> he doesn't even know what's going on, right? There's somebody who was out the night before is in the is in the room, but he's gonna he's he still has his own cooking facilities. Does he need to be woken up? Does he need to be asked? Do you need to ask him whether it's an Arab Arab Yontif or not? That they're part of the show, that they are they agree. Because it's working for everyone. Every single person might right, everyone in that boarding house uh, might come down and, and, and have their area to cook with. Remember when we, when uh, thinking not just of these, you know, these uh, antiquated old boarding houses, which will probably go out of business. I don't know if there's going to even have any, but I remember when, when uh, my grandson was born and we, there was talk about my uh, daughter and son-in-law going to the Ronald McDonald house in uh, near Children's uh, National Hospital in Washington, a very beautiful place. Uh, that Ronald McDonald's house, a beautiful, not just how it looks physically, but what it's all about. And everybody has is assigned their own little place to cook. That's the way it works. You've got this area, you've got this area, like all the families that are there uh, dealing with, with with children that are ill uh, have you know their individual space. And you could have a situation where you have a bunch of from people, a bunch of people who are Jewish people who are keeping Torah mitzvahs, and you have one person, do they have to go and ask them and say, hey, I'm doing the Aver for you, or not? That's the question. If that person was asleep or wasn't aware, maybe the Aver doesn't work. How could that Aver work for you if uh, if you didn't tell me to be your agent to actually do it for you? That's the question. So let's read it again. Pshita das maniach binan. Das mishanich alo binan alo binan. Do you need the das of the person who you're doing it for be'inan. Does that person need to be aware and agree? A low be'inan, maybe you don't. Just like we know, you can, you know, you're, you're able to, do, to take collect tzedakah for people who don't who don't even know you're collecting, and that money belongs to them. It's a schut, as we say. So who says that person needs to know? It might even be it's it's an eruv that you paid for. The person has no connection to it. The person wakes up in a stupor on a Yontif morning, and you say, good morning, sunshine, you can cook, don't worry. I I had you in mind. I, I did it for you. How do we know? So, Toshma, let's try to prove it. And again, as again, the Toshma here is not from, the Toshma is not from a Brice or a Mishnah. It's from actually somewhat of a contemporary of Rav himself. A little bit older than Rav, the Avua de Shmuel, the father of Shmuel. Again, Shmuel is obviously more famous than his dad, and uh, I guess that's clear because the man is only known as Avua de Shmuel. 
Now, we know from the Gemara Brochas, his name was Abba, which is interestingly because that was also the name of Rab, which is Shmuel's, you know, contemporary that he was always arguing with. So his father was Abba, and his, one of his best friends we always argued with was also Abba. But, and that was his name, but he's, uh, he's always known as Avua de Shmuel all over Shas. <coughs> so, you know, sort of, he's sort of like, you know, like Mycroft Holmes in a way. Like everybody knows Sherlock. Oh, this is the, this is his dad. Maybe his dad was even smarter than him. <coughs> but let's take a look at what his father said. Avua de Shmuel Ma'arev Akuha Nahardo. He was the Rishashiva of this big Jewish city, Nardo, big yeshiva there. And he would make an Erev on all of Nardo. Now, obviously, <clears throat> he did not get everybody's permission to do that. It's, he did it. And it would seem everybody, even people who didn't make an Erev, Now, this is really, Debbie, as we've said in, in, in previous uh, classes, I know you weren't here for them, is that a lot of the, the abbreviations and things like that, like we saw up here, and here it's written out, it, it, it's a, it is just some sort of printer's predilection, how to speak. Maybe it fit in better on the page. There's absolutely no difference. And it's frustrating. And that's why, you know, <clears throat> I believe, <clears throat> you know, the original Steinsaltz got it right. Uh, you know, uh, originally, you know, you know, and of course he was attacked um, for, you know, violating the sanctity of the Tzuras Hadaf. Oh, you know, the page doesn't look the way it used to look. Page is really, it was just a, an accident. It was something that they had, you know, the Italian printers that printed it. This, okay, this fits in, this fits in the margin. Okay, over here, let's uh, let's just do with a, let's just abbreviate it and put these two letters here, and over here it's not. So, you know, that, that's really what it was about. So, um, and, and it's frustrating. So, in the original Steinsaltz, what he did was everything was written out. Why not? And that's the way it really should be, because otherwise people, you know, why make the book more confusing than it already inherently is? But, again, this is sort of like, you know, acquiescing to, uh, you know, I'm not going to fight City Hall here on this. Everybody wants this to side off. Everybody's used to it for hundreds of years. That's what everybody studied. It's holy. This is what's in my brain. I've got this memory of it. It's got to look like this. So it's got to look like this. So the printing goes on and on. And you have this sort of like a, you sort of have this inconsistency. Oh, here it says tough shit. Here it's not. So you're right. A, an English teacher would say, yeah, okay, there's no reason to use this uh, abbreviation. Uh, okay, what are you doing? You're, this is this is the grand script of what you're putting in for your for your term pay. This is your this is your college essay. Yeah, we don't have that type of attitude. So all right. But it's it's a point to, to to notice. But anyway, what do we see? <laughs> well, that means uh, he didn't ask everybody. And Rabbi Verabasi, seemingly they were a team in this way. Ma'arvu, they made an Erev. I don't know if they, they made more than one. Sounded like they made just one, but they were both involved in it. Akulu <laughs> Tiberia. No. I always thought Ravami and Ravasi, I know Ravasi <coughs> went, came to Bobo eventually, but maybe 
they'd have to do some history research and see if they lived in Tveria for a while. Maybe they were in Tveria. Maybe this is not the Ravami and Ravasi. <coughs> the Ravasi that was the student of Rav. This might be a different Ravasi. Uh, the point is, is that you see, if it's the whole city, there's no way you could actually indicate to the whole city that you were doing it. In fact, let's just end with this point. And this really, again, proves the idea that it doesn't need the das of the person you're doing it for. Machriz, Chabiakov Baride. He was definitely in, um, in, in, in Bavel, even though he's called Rabbi Yaakov Baride. He said, me, he gave a, he gave a, uh, he gave a, uh, uh, hachraza. What was this hachraza? If there's anyone out there, and it's already Yontif already, they woke up in a stupor Yontif morning, Yavo, of course, is not literal. He didn't want everybody showing up in this house. <laughs> but he meant is, Yavo, you are able to enter into, you can come and be part of normative cooking and baking this Yontif. And you can, even though you didn't do it, I did it for you. That's what he gave that uh, I'm not sure where he was living, <coughs> but that was his Okay, so all of this really proves, although, uh, you know, if we didn't need the proof before, that you don't need Das for the people that you're doing it for. Now, the question though is, and we'll end with this, Va'ad Kama. What does that mean, everybody? Cities aren't so clearly defined. How many people do you have in mind? Ad Kama. How many people do you have in mind? One of Abaya's students, Nahumi Bar Zacharia. Again, sometimes interesting how many times he comes up in Chaz. I'll tell you, Abaya said, Ad Tachum Shabbat. Now, we know what a Tachum is. A Tachum is, is, is the amount that you're allowed to walk outside of a city. Normally, it's 2,000 Amos. 2,000 Amos. And Amos is a foot and a half, so figure that out. It's about, uh, you know, 3,000 uh, feet to three to 4,000 feet. So you're allowed to that's in terms of them. Now, in terms of the Eruv, what that means is that people live in little houses outside of the city. How many people are included? It sounds like what we're saying is that if you say everyone in town, it means the city limits and the stragglers who are up to the point. But let's say there's somebody, there's some old coot who lives out there beyond the Tom Shabbos. And I guess, you know, the closest post office, the closest place of, of, of where people really live is the city. But he is clearly out in that lean to, you know, past the 2000 Amos point. So unless you had him in mind, it doesn't work. Odd comma. If you just see, I'm, I'm thinking of the city. People of Yakabridi, it only goes till the Tchum Shabbos. Unless you actually think about them. And then this question comes up can I think about people in Copenhagen as well? 
<laughs> right? Um, when I was a Rav in Houston, uh, I got involved with uh, a, a situation where there was a uh, uh, there were two shoals. I was the rabbi of the breakaway shoal, and someone from the other shoal um, came to me and wanted to know if he said he didn't do Erev Tavshilin, and he wanted to see if he could rely on what I did. And I said, well, I had everyone in mind. And he said, but I'm not, a, I don't really dive in your shul. I'm not part of the people that would be part of your mindset. You maybe only had the people involved that, that are part of our minion, which was not too great, which wasn't a huge amount. And he, this person, you know, although he wasn't an enemy of the shul, but, but I said, you know what? I didn't necessarily, I thought of anyone that needed it. Right? And this was the issue. He says, but, you would never, but I'm not really part of your group. And he was worried about whether he could use Erev Tavshion. And I remember we went into the Shulchan Aruch, and he didn't, until I showed him in the Shulchan Aruch, he was not ready to accept the fact that uh, that he could use, that he was able to cook. So if you do have the people in mind, if that's what you're about, and that's, you know, as the rabbi, I had people in mind, who uh, whoever needed it. So I felt that that would be enough. If I hadn't thought that way, then again, if there's people that, like the old coot, who you wouldn't even think about, so he probably can't use it in, in that case. All right. So we will, uh, a happy Lag Bomer again to everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 